Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to our first episode of EPL State of Mind. Your host, MC James, here with Sean and Kyle again. I do want to say a big shout out to all the comments and feedback we got on the trailer that we kind of posted last week. We obviously had a lot of fun filming it or recording it rather for the first time. Had no idea what to expect with a with a podcast once it actually happens. I mean, Sean and Kylie, what were your takes on our first little adventure there, man? I mean, it was fun. Yeah, no, definitely a good time. Uh, had never done anything like that before. It was a lot of fun just being able to talk soccer with everyone. And hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. I think we'll, we'll find out a lot about each other, like myself, how my pronunciation of almost every hard name is going to be a hard pass. But I'm going to lean on, on these guys <laughs> a lot on all of that. But Sean, you, you, what were your thoughts, brother? Um, yeah, I appreciate anyone who listened to the first episode. I consider you a close personal friend, even if you're just James or Kyle's friend, uh, for tuning in. I have thrown my pen across the room, so the <laughs> very irritating clicks hopefully will be removed from this episode. I apologize for my ADD-esque behavior. <laughs> no, it's it's I, I'm moving around the entire time. I'm like, I'm getting hot flashes. I'm getting cold flashes. I'm like, oh, am I speaking too loud? It's just a lot of fun. I never thought anything like this was actually going to be materialized. So to say that we're, we're doing our first formal episode, we got some positive feedback from the trailer. And just to talk with you guys again after an extremely, extremely exciting weekend of football. I mean, I don't remember a better weekend other than our, our you know, championship Sunday last season. So I'm really looking forward to it. We did blast through the intro last time. So just so you all know, here at EPL State of Mind, our goal is to further your education and your passion of the English Premier League, whether that's overseas or right here in the Empire State of Mind. Oh, everyone's making the connection now. EPL State of Mind, Empire State of Mind, three guys from the New York area. Wow. I didn't know that was what we were going for. Was that what we were going for, guys? It's pretty genius. But uh, we're, we're, we're excited to have everyone on the, on the second episode here. So hold on to your seats, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Okay, first real segment of our first real episode here, and we're going into something that we're going to do pretty much every episode, which is a quick little powwow on the hot news. So before I start crying, uh, someone please take this first one so I can collect of myself on this guy so sean or, or kyle do me the favor here guys yeah um i'll jump in here basically uh chelsea hijacked the move for shakhtar donetsk winger uh mikhailo mudrik i definitely mispronounced that but none of you are ukrainian so i think we should be okay <laughs> we have no ukrainian listeners at the moment well, Chase, I'm sorry, Chase is Ukrainian. We went over this this weekend. Oh, but. that's a good point. Yeah, your buddy Chase is, in fact, Ukrainian. Plus, uh, President Zelensky actually is a big EPL state of mind guy. People forget that, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I won't bury my laughters of our Ukrainian friends with, uh, with the tears of my Arsenal fandom. <laughs> I, I have a lot of mixed emotions on this transfer update that I got so graciously yesterday from all of my friends who knew how excited I was about this new player, uh, this Ukrainian player coming from Shakhtar. 
my first immediate thought is who is this guy to go for $103 million? I believe, Sean, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was like 90 million pounds or euros. I don't remember what it was, but who is this guy and who are Shakhtar to be demanding Antony and Grealish money for this, this unproven player yet? He's 22 years old. He's really exciting. I would be lying to you if for at least half a day during you know, my free time, I didn't Google and YouTube Mudrick highlights and was pretty impressed with this guy's speed, his pace with the ball, and his ability with his foot and, and with the ball at his foot, rather. So I'm a little bit mixed emotions. It's a lot of money. It's deja vu all over again for Arsenal's winter transfer window from last season. We had aspiring fourth place uh, finishes, and this year we have aspiring title finishes, and we still haven't done anything in a winter window. So I got to make some motions on this one. Uh, yeah, following up on that, I mean, I don't want to get into the game this weekend just yet, but Chelsea are in need of a winger. That is very apparent. So I think this is going to be a really good signing for them. And on a positive note, the uh, Ukrainian transfer fee, even though it was absurd, they did donate $25 million of the dollars to the Ukrainian soldiers. So, you know, it's a little bit philanthropic, I guess. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's a great little... I had no idea about that. That's pretty cool. Still, I'm going to cry, but at least I can cry knowing that a good portion of that went to something good. Yeah, it's a classic <laughs> Arsenal fan. Yeah, a lot of crying. Not of late, but a lot of crying. Is, it, <laughs> you know, is that... Do you think it, that's Chelsea atoning for their sins from being owned by a Russian oligarch for the last decade <laughs> and a half? <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they are mending some public... Uh, I guess figures and public, uh, I don't know what the proper term is, the perceptions yeah. here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's a great tie-in over there. Uh, just as a, as a final recap on that, it's, it's Mudrick. He is now a Chelsea player, not an Arsenal player. The transfer fee was around $103 million. Uh, salary is unknown yet, and it's an eight-and-a-half-year period for his, his, his actual contract. So that is one of the largest, longest contracts I have personally ever seen. Normally, for all those who either do know EPL or don't know EPL, your typical contract range is, is five years, and then they typically have a one-year extension option. So this is an eight-and-a-half-year contract, which is a bit long, in my opinion. Um, but Chelsea does like to go on loan spells, so I think we might see Mudrick go out on a loan at one point somewhere. I don't know. It depends on his shows. No, it depends. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think I don't know if I agree with that. I think if you... If, if you pay $100 million for a guy, you can't send him out on loan. He's got to play. And he's I agree. He's got to play but... right away. They, but I understand your point, though, because if you if you look at it, their front, their attack, really, considering they either play with two or three attackers on a regular basis, uh, you have Havertz, you have Sterling, Pulisic, Ziyech, Broja, Joao Felix now. Um, there's, there's only so many minutes that can go around when you have that many guys. Especially when you play five at the back like they do. And really, other than Mount, who, who kind of rotates between midfield and the wing, they don't really have that many midfielders, I think, that are Premier League quality after, you know, Kovacic, Conte, and Jorginho. I mean, adding to what Sean was saying, they have uh, Sterling up there as well and Aubameyang. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I guess once everyone on that team is healthy, I mean, you can say what you will about Aubameyang. I still think he's talented. But – you got four signings in the last year, and all of them are up front. So I think some of them are going to have to go out on loan because they paid some big money for them. 
Yeah, you know, I feel like the the more we talk about this subject, the deeper we get into it, and the more I realize that this hot news segment is actually probably just a Chelsea transfer update. Because <laughs> what we have, what, what we have next is these guys are just spending money, and maybe it's an American thing. I know I definitely am well beyond my means, so I spend way too much on a daily basis. But if I'm if I'm Chelsea's new owner, this is a concerning amount of cash he's flashed out. He has had the most money dealt out. And this is not including transfer fees that they've sold to anyone. But I've only really been able to see one person they sold with an undisclosed amount. But Chelsea right now, total spending from the summer and the winter transfer windows is at 439 million pounds. I mean, that is wow. almost double of the next person who is Man United with 227 million. I mean, this is actually insane. And to think that that value, that 439, 100, and, uh, 100 million roughly of that is just from Mudrick, who we're talking about, is, is crazy. And we can segue right into the next one because we brought him up a few times, is, is João Felix coming from Atletico Madrid. And he comes here at an $11 million loan fee. So again, because we love to kind of enlighten and develop our current American status of the EPL, what a lot of people won't realize is uh, when a company owns a contract with someone, they can loan someone out. So Atletico Madrid still have how many more years is it on Jao's contract? I think it's two or three more years on their on their contract. He actually just extended as well part of this transfer, this loan spell for Jao was he he did uh, Atletico actually extended their contract with Jao. So basically what a loan is, is if let's say the Yankees were going, you know, had Aaron Judge for five years, but he wasn't performing one year, lends it out to the Mets. He's still a Yankee player, but he's playing on the Mets. So essentially what it is right now is João Felix is a Atletico Madrid player playing on Chelsea for the last six months of the English Premier League season. And he's here for $11 million and Chelsea has to cover his $300,000. This is dollar. We're, we're going to bounce in between pounds and, and dollars, obviously. But weekly salary. And he is currently sitting on the bench. What do we think of that? Well, I mean, I, I thought his debut was actually pretty promising against Fulham. Uh, midweek last week, he had six shots in the first half. He was making good runs. Um, the one thing, obviously, though, that's, that's going to stand out from his debut is the red card in the 55th minute. Uh, which is funny, you know, they bought him for six months for 20 games, you know, give or take, and it'll be uh, 17 games now because he'll miss with a three-game suspension after a straight red card. Deserved. I mean, he was completely out of control, reckless, studs up. Not the most malicious tackle I've ever seen, but worthy of a red for sure. Um, maybe we get to see Mudrick, for, you know, sooner than we thought with Pulisic getting injured. Uh, Obama Yang being banged up and and now Felix suspended, you know m maybe it's Mudrick and and Havertz up front the next time Chelsea play who knows. Yeah, I mean going off that, my fear for Jao Felix is that that club has a very high turnover when there's lack of performance. You can see it with their coaching with Conte being kicked out after winning the league. You can see it with their starting players just from the amount of signings that they've had in the last year. I mean. If Jao Felix goes out again, has two more bad games, maybe gets another couple cards, I would not be surprised to see him ride the bench immediately. So they got to be very careful with him moving forward. 
Yeah, you said you saw talking about Zhao that way, or was that Modric? <clears throat> yeah, I'm talking about Zhao. I mean, yeah. Modric, Modric, however you want to say it, <laughs> I, I haven't seen him play yet. So, I mean, the EPL is a different league than anyone in the world. You know, people come in, they expect great things, and then they flop. So, we can see what we see with him, but after Zhao Felix, I'm a little worried just because of the turnover rate at that club. Yeah, I mean, he's only there for... <laughs> 17 more games right like like uh sean was saying 20 game loan spell red card gets you out for the 50th minute so there goes one then you're suspended for the next three games this in my book might be one of the worst transfers i have ever seen in a winter window especially with chelsea being at the location they are right now in 10th place and they're fighting tooth and nail their 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 aspirations has to be euros because i don't see them breaking into top four so they're desperate to get into the Euros. They go out. They spend 11 million pounds on Zhao, which was a ridiculous amount of loan fee for six months that I thought anyone would be crazy with. He was linked with Man U and Arsenal. I think it was crazy that Chelsea comes out here already spending what they have spent and goes out for 11 mil. I just, I, it, it just, it might be the Arsenal fan of me that we had some interest in him, but it's yeah, just I think absurd. It's a bitter party of one. Yeah, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's more what it is, man. Uh, I would say the Mudrick signing financially is more irresponsible than a eleven month, you know, eleven million loan fee. If you got it and you can get a good player, I mean, Felix is a really good player. And obviously, the uh, suspension is not a great start, but I think he he probably will give more of an immediate impact for Chelsea than than Mudrick. But we, you know, we'll see. I think he could be a exciting player, like you said. I've, I've only seen him once against uh, Real Madrid, actually, in the Champions League last year, and he scored. But looks like an exciting player, a lot of pace, really good on the ball, some flair to him. So could be a fun you know, fun addition to the league. In some ways reminds me of Luis Diaz's signing from Porto to Liverpool last winter. Yep. You know, a pacey yep. left winger, works hard, and trying to break the sound barrier with how, fa- how fast they run. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I am excited at a non-biased English Premier League fan, I am super excited to see him in the league. Biased Do Arsenal those exist? Fan. No, no, non-biased. Arsenal fans probably don't exist, but I, being that I am uh, still going to be a little bit salty over this one for some time to come. But moving, moving right along to what we have here listed as our next big news, we're going to take you outside of the English Premier League just for this one time. I'm sure every once in a while you hear us celebrate something that's big that happened across the soccer world. But the Super Cup... Final yesterday, Barca over Real Madrid. Congratulations to Barcelona. Uh, some really great players on the team. We were all concerned about them this time last year, but they had a great winter transfer window last year. It looks like they're kind of shaping up to play nicely again. And, you know, Kyle, you mentioned this before, 14-time winner, which is the most in Super Cup history. So congratulations, Barcelona. I personally did not see the game um, I was still out celebrating the North London Derby, how it was red. But big congratulations to the Super Cup final winners and now history makers of Barcelona. Yeah, like uh, like James said, congratulations to the New York Giants. I'm sorry, the, uh, to Barcelona on their big win. Um, you know, Lewandowski, that man is just a beast. When he's out there, he's getting goals, assists. I, I read something that he's got 50% or more of their goals for goal involvement, whether it's an assist or a goal this year. So even when he's not scoring, if you watch the games, I mean, there's two guys on him. They're opening up for everyone else, for Fadi, for Dembele, for whoever you want. And, I mean, it is it is fun to watch him play and thrive in a league that isn't the Bundesliga. 
Okay, so let's get into our weekend recap. Like I said earlier, ton of exciting games. I was like a kid in a candy shop watching all of these freaking games. I mean, there was not a single one that lined up to be, you know, as close as a nail biter as all these guys. I want to start off with Sean and Kyle, your take on the best of the weekend. So Sean, what, what were your two big winners? And Kyle, what were your two big winners of the weekend? What was the best of the weekend? I mean, I would have to say Manchester United and Arsenal are the two obvious ones. Uh, Arsenal really cementing themselves as as the front runners for this title race with a six-point swing, them winning and, and City losing to United. And obviously United now really establishing themselves in the top four you know, contention. They should be there by the end of the year and finishing it, and they're in great form. They've won nine in a row. So that, those would be my two. Uh, for me, I'm going to give Manchester United some props, sadly. And then Brighton will be the other big one for me. I mean, Arsenal, they did great, but I think Brighton was a harder game for them to win. And the way they looked, and everyone looked good, both sides of the ball. So those are going to be my two winners. A lot of good play. A lot of good play from all those teams, and we're going to dive into a lot of those individual games right now. Uh, and I think the first one, because I agree with, with both of you, i got to give a lot of props to Man U and Arsenal and Brighton. I think it's time to dive into the Manchester Derby. So I know, Kyle, let's get your uh, your biased opinion Do first. Do we have to? Because you had one of the <laughs> hottest takes, I think, that we have had yet. And it's because not only it was the first comment that we had from you on EPL State of Mind, but because it was so outrageous, in my own opinion, that I was <sighs> so taken off guard by it last <sighs> week that I didn't even want to say anything. But 4-1 Man City is what you said last week. 4-1 Man City. And I believe Sean and I both fell off of our chairs and my mouth was on the floor because <laughs> it was so much, in my opinion, and I don't like either of your teams, but it was it was so much disrespect to the informed Manchester United. So Kyle, let's get your first biased opinion and then well, your, your non-biased opinion. I, uh, I joined you guys on the floor after that game. That was a hard watch. <laughs> um, I mean, unpopular opinion, but for me, it was, it was on Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, he looks good always. He's playing his game, but his attitude since he has come back from that World Cup has been different. He is not smiling. He's actually getting visibly upset at players on the field now, which he did not used to do. And this is coming back from playing with Belgium, and he was not happy in that locker room, and he seemed to come back with some chip on his shoulder, and I think he's infecting the rest of the city locker room. I think it's time for Kyle Walker to step up and become the captain. Like, maybe not, you know, the captain-captain, but mentally. Like, get that team together, bring them close, and let's get smiling again. Let's get winning. Since, I mean, since the break, they've, they've got seven out of 15 points in all competition in the Premier League. That, that's not the city that I know. It's not the city I like to watch. But just talking about the game, uh, City looked good in the first half to me. They played okay in the second half. They gave up for 10 minutes, and Manchester United did not let them off. I mean, Rashford, man of the match in my opinion. He's fast. He's good. He's in the right positions. And that state of awareness not to touch that through ball and let Bruno Fernandez get the shot because he knew he was off sides is just smart soccer so you know they they deserve that win I think City's got to get themselves back on track because that's not the team that they can be Sean do you want to do you want to jump in there now and talk about the offsides or do we want to go back and get your full-on opinion on the overall all, all overall performance of the game because I know we're gonna we're gonna dive into that offsides not offsides call because there's a lot of open questions about that. Offside is already an extremely impossible rule to explain to everybody. And this is just one that now throws it out the window. 
sure. in in terms of understanding. But <laughs> man, you Man City, Man City taking a beating, in my opinion, on this one. Really kind of harsh realization that this isn't the Man City team of last season. But Sean, what are your what are your thoughts? Dive into what you want to hear first. Yeah, uh, the one thing I wanted to point out was Luke Shaw at center back, playing left center back, was really interesting. Um, I obviously haven't seen every game that Man United played this year, but uh, you know he's by trade a left back typically. I thought he did a great job marshalling Holland, especially not allowing him to get in, in behind or really run the channels like he likes to to get on top of balls and use his, his pace and his strength you know, to, to create opportunities for himself. Um, I think I believe you you said it yesterday when we when we were talking about the the weekend. He had the least amount of touches of anyone on the pitch, which normally is fine because he he, does, he only needs one or two touches to score. However, um, he was dropping deep a lot to try to get on the ball, and they just weren't getting it to him. Um, Man United were really, in my opinion, really really strong with their pressing. They created a lot of turnovers. Um, against City, just some, some misplaced passes that were kind of uncharacteristic of City. But you have to give credit to, to Marcus Rashford. He's been in inspiring form. Eight goals, three assists in all competitions in seven games since the World Cup. His pace, his dribbling, even his strength um, really all stand out for me. Really, really special performance. Um, and the other thing I wanted to point out about this game was the Alejandro Garnacho, I believe that's how you say his name. Maybe the yep. worst haircut in the league, but <laughs> you know, I hope we got a bowl of soup with that haircut. Um, but his 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 addition to the game really swung swung the momentum for me. Uh, really stretched Man City's defense. He he was out wide on that left hand side, and created the, the game winning goal really with his pace and uh, dribbling, and then a nice ball to Rashford, who you know Fox in the box was there and, and put it away. I will I will double back on two things that you said there, Sean. And the first one is, yeah, I agree with you. The haircut style is not there. But this 18-year-old kid, this Argentinia, Argentinian is, is, is going to be one to look forward to. I hope Definitely. eventually we get him a new barber. But I don't want that <laughs> to take away from his actual performance on the game and the awareness and the super sub method that Eric Ten Hag I butchered his last name on the trailer, so thank you all for pointing that out to me. I had no idea. <laughs> but <laughs> but his acknowledgement to make the substitute, I believe he came in for uh, Christensen, who, I'm sorry, Christian Erickson, who came in and, first of all, most underrated Manchester United pickup this, this year with a free transfer. Unbelievable. But for Ten Hag to actually make that switch and have him play on that left side and be able to float more towards the center a little bit and really create that time and the space was incredible. And the other thing I wanted to double back on is your, your Holland comment. And I know we were talking about it yesterday, like you said, at least touches out of all outfield performers. It's almost going back to the Chelsea game. It took Holland 20 minutes into the Chelsea game to get his first touch of play. So you need him fed and you need him fed often eric holland is not a player that is going to take the ball from midfield and dribble through 17 guys and put it in the back of the neck holland right. needs to be fed by silva he needs to be fed by uh de bruyne he needs feeding and if you do not feed holland 
you are going to starve. And right now, I think that's a big issue that Man City is going to be facing if they can't if they can't get the ball up in the final third at Holland's Holland's feet. Yeah, and just quickly, I wanted to to make note of this. Um, in their last three matches, they only have four total shots on goal. So that's a huge problem. I mean, this is Man City. They're the creators. You know, if you're someone who follows advanced analytics with soccer, they're the XG darlings. You know what I mean? They create mm-hmm. the most chances and get the most most shots on target, really, other than the goal by Grealish and a speculative strike from Walker that actually ended up almost bending in around the post. Uh, City didn't really create that many chances. They had the ball, but... United did a great job of closing them down, winning the ball back, and, and you know creating on the counter. I mm-hmm. thought United deserved to win the match. I thought they were the better team on the day. All right, we're going to – I think we got to do well, – sorry, Kyle, but we're, we're running out of time with, with the Manchester Derby here. But I think we need to spend the last minute talking about the offsides call. Personally, <laughs> I think it's a load of shit. I think he was offsides. I think that Rashford – clearly affected the gameplay of the the backs and the biggest one for me is edison he is obviously 100 percent. the biggest thing on on an offsides call in my opinion obviously is if you're behind the second man but the next one is if you're affecting the goalie because that is typically where it comes in next and you can see by edison's setup his mental state and awareness totally occupied by rashford almost doesn't even see bruno fernandez coming over to the to the side over on on the left side edison's right i i i just don't understand how we can not put a red flag on that one and then for for you sean in the liverpool game there was an exact play just like this not at a goal scoring opportunity but alexander arnold had the ball or not even it was off of whose shot was it it was let's see i got somewhere in my notes here uh liverpool took a shot that was deflected inside the box went over to the right side where Trent Alexander-Arnold was in an offside position, watching the ball go out of bounds, didn't touch it, didn't make a move for the ball. If it went out of bounds, it would have been Liverpool's ball, and they called him offsides. Yeah. No, I agree. I I think you touched on it before. The gray area with offsides has now been further extended with this rule where you get the ball. If you don't make an attempt to play the ball – did he or didn't he? I, I think at the end of the day, you have to give Rashford credit for having the, you know, it's a high IQ play. Kyle kind of touched mm-hmm. on that before. Mm-hmm. To have the awareness to, you know, to put the referees in that position where they either have to make the call or they don't. They didn't. And, and United capitalized. I definitely would be upset as a City fan if that happened. But credit to Rashford for having the wherewithal and the mindset to, uh, to, to know he was offside, but still, you know, affect the, the game playing and cause a goal. But I agree. It should have been flagged. I mean, it's, it, it's what we learn as children. Play the whistle. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. We yeah. all played Max. Little League. It's, there was no whistle. There was sloppy defending. Whether or yeah. not it should have been called, it wasn't called. And they, mm-hmm. they should not have let that happen. I mean, the goal's a goal. I'm not going to complain about it. It was well worked. It, legal, maybe. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. They earned it. But, I Fair. mean, it just leads on. Like, I just hate Bruno Fernandez, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think a lot of people would agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, but we got to give him the credit. You know, he spoke very well after the game as well. He actually came out and admitted he wasn't thinking about sides. He came out and admitted that I think Rashford just saw that he was on his stronger foot in a better position and, and let him take it. So who knows? There's a big what if on that one. We'll see if this comes back to haunt 
Man City and Arsenal, because I'm thinking about Arsenal right now, too. Let's see if it comes back and haunts the title race on this. But, you know, transitioning here, Arsenal's future is in their own hands, guys. What are we th- What are we thinking about the North London derby now? Oh, great game. Great game to watch in the first half. Second half, I agree. not so much. But, I mean, we had it all. We had David versus Goliath in goalkeepers, and it was very <laughs> apparent who Goliath was and who David was. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Won the giant. I mean, Ramsdale had an unbelievable game. The man of the match, in my opinion, he just saved the game in multiple multiple instances when they were 0 1-0, 2-0. He did not let them back in this game. And, you know, on the opposite side, you have Hugo Loris making a fool of himself. You know, one of the best goalies in the world. But that's, that ain't it. No, I, I, I agree with you, Kyle. I mean, I'll defend Hugo Lloris a little bit on, on that because, you know, Saka on that right side, I think, uh, who's left? Session, I think, is forcing Saka further to his right side on the baseline because we all know Saka, it, it's a left foot player. He doesn't have, unfortunately, much of a right foot right now. He has had some upper bins with his right, which shocked me, but he's heavily, heavily one-sided on his left side. Session's doing a good job keeping him towards the baseline, so he has to play it with his right. It was a cross. It wasn't a shot. Saka puts it in, deflects off of Session's knee, I believe it was, and just catches Hugo right in the chest. Uh, I'm a big Lloris fan. He had, a, I think, one of the best World Cups out there. I think a lot of people are blown away with Martinez's World Cup performance because of that last game, which is deserved. So, But I think Hugo was was the top enchilat in, in goalkeepers in there. And... I will try to not defend Tottenham as much as I can, but I think that was a little bit of a misfortune, but hell of playing from the Gunners and Sokka on that right side. I, I'm sure Session, if you look at his heart rate during that game, was through the roof because he, <laughs> he, he just, this Sokka guy, this kid, this star boy, the love of my life is just <laughs> killing it. Well, you wow. said it last week, right, James? You said when Martin is on, Arsenal's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. So, like, there you go. Odegaard, what a game. Yeah, uh, just to touch on him, I thought he was sensational. Definitely controlled the, the game in the first half, pulling the strings in midfield. Obviously scored a beautiful goal as well. He's really established himself as, as one of the 10 best players in the Premier League. Not even a controversial opinion at this point. I think it's, it's almost accepted as fact. He's the only player that's top 10 in both goals and assists in the Premier League this season. Yep. And, yeah, I thought he was sensational. I do want to go back on Lloris. I completely, wholeheartedly disagree with you, James, which is fine. (laughs) I think he is a calamitous goalkeeper in a lot of moments. I think he makes some big saves. His distribution is pretty poor. He almost gave away that that chance. Six minutes in. Six minutes in. Really early in the game. Mm-hmm. I think with him uh, and what you don't want as a goalkeeper is someone that you're worried about mistakes. Uh, com- compare it as a Liverpool fan to Loris Karius. Uh, we saw that he's winning with his girlfriend, our, our boy Wancho. That's his oh my God, yeah. supermodel girlfriend. But he, it always felt like you knew a mistake was coming with him. And I had the same feelings about Loris. But just to, to go on to Arsenal, uh, dominant performance. I mean, they could have won, won this game 3 4 nil easily mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. chances they were creating in the first half really special and Tottenham it, it's it's a crossroads for me at, at this point I think they don't create nearly enough chances and they play way way too defensive for a team 
that's you know historically known as being very attacking, you know, good football to watch. They didn't create almost next to nothing in the first half. And then the second half, you know, they they looked promising in some moments, but they just didn't have that that real bite. I thought Kuliseski, who I hired, uh, excuse me, highlighted before the game, was solid. Um, had a couple chances cutting in off the right onto his left foot. But in general, what was the grade A chances that, that they created in the first half? Nothing. And then, like we said, Ramsdale played well, but I, I think Arsenal were very deserved winner, winners in this game. I, I, as, a, as, a, as a huge Arsenal fan, I couldn't have been happier for the North London Derby. We went two for two this year. I mean, it's incredible. The guys are coming out with such passion from minute one, which is something I, I can't say the same for for the Spurs. Like you said, they're two different teams. It's been their problem all season so far. It's who's going to show up in the first half. Is the second half team going to show up on the first half and then carry on to the second half, and then they're going to win? Because if, if that team that comes out of the locker room, I don't know what Conte is giving them during the halftime. It could be Arsenal's new prime drink by on the DL because clearly that's working out really well for them but they got to be doing something in that second half locker room because they, this is not the same team. But I, I couldn't be happier with the boys' performance this weekend. I think it's time for people to stop saying um, Man City's 100% going to win this league. Do I think Arsenal can win it? Yeah, but Man City's going to win it because I don't see that anymore. I will be the last person to throw my heart out there and watch it burn, but I am just as excited as I am right now as I was at the beginning of the season for this Gunners team. I mean, everyone's meshing really well. Everyone's going going, going for it. They're pushing for it, and they're all being led by Super Mikko Teta, who doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, he gets he gets hammered on kind of on a consistent basis from, like, Sky Sports, ES, ESPN FC on his sideline ta- tactics, but that's just passion. That's just passion for the game. He's the best-looking Spaniard I know, and it's the best Span- Spaniard we know. So I, I think it's pretty pretty solid i think it's a very highly highly probable realization that we see an arsenal premiership well if there are the best of the week there are definitely the worst of the week too and this segment we'll talk about our i guess who we expect to have done better who we think totally dropped the ball this weekend and who is going to need to pick it up next weekend to really get back to where we think they're supposed to be. And personally, I think our, our first comment and our first team that we're going to talk about in the game is going to be Liverpool Brighton. We have the high of Brighton and they're on a tear here and we have the low of Liverpool who clearly need to hit some type of, I don't know, necessarily a panic button, but they're aspirations of top four are slowly slipping every single game that goes by. And, you know, I start off with the Manchester Derby with Kyle. So, so Sean, since you're the Liverpool uh, expert over here, let's, let's start with your bias and your non-biased opinions on this game. <sighs> that's, that's my opinion on this game. It's, it was about as bad of a performance as there's been under Jurgen Klopp throughout his five and a half years with Liverpool. They couldn't even get the ball out of their own half for most of that. I mean, we know that Brighton creates a lot of chances. Uh, we talked about XG a little bit before. They're the expected goal darlings as well, outside of the big six. Uh, they've been playing great football this year, but Liverpool made them look 
like prime. I don't even know who. I guess prime, prime Liverpool. That's what it looked like. <laughs> the the press that Brighton had was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Matip, Henderson, Thiago, Fabinho panicked on the ball. No composure. Didn't beat anybody off the dribble. Um, to say it's discouraging would be underselling it. it. I'm disgusted by the performance, to be honest with you. Now, where does this stem from, this this lineup? Do we, do we have to blame Klopp? Is he losing his edge here? Or is it the lineup he sends out? Or the, is it the player drives? Is it? I know we don't like to blame a lot on injuries, but you did have a last-second injury to uh, uh, Nunez during training. So that's a huge blow that made you swap Gapco up to the top. And Alexander, you had a, a Chamberlain over on the left side where, you know, Diaz would be, but he's out for the foreseeable future. And then you had to switch Gapco, who was the replacement of Diaz, go up top to replace Nunez. And, and not to mention, yeah. we, we, last week we said it already, but Van Dyke, he's the, a giant hole missing the gap. So where is your frustration? Where do you see this as the, the fault here? Is it lineup? Is it injuries? Is it clop? It, can it be all three? It can. I think it can, absolutely. They're all, they're all fair points that, that you make that they just do not. They haven't had their best 11 available for almost the entire year at any point. Just Diaz went it down injured. Trent's been injured at points. The midfield's been banged up. All three of the of Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson. But for me, uh, it's still a huge issue in midfield. That's what the biggest issue that bo- it boils down to. Sure, they did not have Nunez for this game, and, and he's been a big piece of their offense this year. Creates a lot of chances just with his pace and his effort, but they there wasn't even service. So you can't I can't I couldn't give you an assessment of Cody Gakpo's performance against Brighton. He didn't, never was on the ball. Not his fault. They couldn't I mean, if I have to watch Jordan Henderson just receive the ball and hoof it upfield like there's a, a live grenade at his foot, I think I'm gonna pull my hair out. It did seem like a lot of high school soccer kick it up the field and then there's this gigantic hole between your attacking three and those midfielders. And personally, mm-hmm. I think it's probably just personnel in the mid now. I mean, yeah, you have Matt Tip and Tiago, who are, I think are some of the greatest in the English Premier League. But you look at Henderson, you look at all three of them. They're the youngest out of three of them. I think is 29. Henderson's 32 years of age. He's not going to be able to keep up with the pace that you guys have on top, which is a huge issue. You look at when everyone goes together, Everyone has to physically be ready to press. They need to be moving up the pitch to follow Nunez and Diaz and Mosala, who we didn't even mention once. You didn't even say his name once during that analysis. And it's because he was non-existent too. I mean, yeah, a problem. And he has been for a while. I, I think that's a big part of it too. Um, these injuries that have happened to some key players has coincided with Salah looking pretty pedestrian. And if he's not scoring for Liverpool, you add to that the injuries to the front line and and the guys on the on the back end or the guy on the back end in Van Dyke. Uh Alexander Arnold and Robertson were ripped to shreds at the weekend. Uh Matoma, we we highlighted him before the game. He was he was tremendous. I, I the amount of times he skinned Henderson on the right side or or Trent or Matip, I mean numerous. The, this game could have been easily could have been worse than it was at 3-0. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the last time that I saw the ball possession, and this is a good segue into Brighton's performance, but 61% ball possession to Brighton, 39 to Liverpool. Not your typical not your typical Liverpool showing there. 
and you no, know you had you know not. it was it was a bit much i mean you guys barely touched the total shots it was 16 brighton to six liverpool i mean you gotta hand it off to brighton and their performance and their form they've been in and i know we are we love this guy matoma we love him but he was looking like nunez out there he could he would he would bring <laughs> it up to the field he couldn't finish you know, but it, they are looking like a very dangerous team that, you know, I still have to play a second time. Everyone's still got to play a second time. They could go on a bit of a run here, too. They're only, you know, they're at 30 points with 18 games in. You know, that's a great spot to be in if you're Brighton and you have a Tottenham on the, da- a Tottenham on the downfall. You have Fulham who, yeah, great stretch. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up their pace. I, I just don't. Brighton seemed like they have glimmers, glimmers of this in them last year. So I think Brighton, you know, really showed between what they were able to do to a Liverpool side this week and then an Arsenal side in the second half that made a game that should have been Arsenal 6-2, to 6-1, to, to give a heart attack there. Brighton is, is, is on the up and up, and a lot of it is, is their aggressive play, their high press, and their speed. So a, a, lot, of, a lot of positives from Brighton, their top three with uh, Matoma Ferguson, who was exceptional, only 18 years of age, I believe, yep. played phenomenal. I, I, there was one play at the top of the top of the Liverpool box where he received a long ball and touched it with the outside of his heel, stayed within a yard. I mean, that's from an 18-year-old. That was a bomb of a pass. And then moving further on to the other side of the pitch for for Brighton, you had uh, Sully March who's in form. He's looking great, too. These players are turning up when they need to turn up, and Brighton is a dangerous, dangerous team right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's just a team you do not want to say. Uh, you know, if you're looking at the fixture list and you're at the bottom of the table or you're at Chelsea or Liverpool where you're not in form, and I mentioned it before, they're just not a, a fun team to play against. They press really high up the pitch. They have a lot of pace and, and some underrated skill. Um Sully March, by the way, has been at Brighton for over 12 years. And he had 13 goals in that time period. He had two yesterday against Liverpool. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. A player to <laughs> player to player to player to look out for in, in Sully March and and an unfortunate wrapping up for Liverpool's weekend. But yeah, I would just, say it's it's not as unfortunate as our dear Dear friends, the second longest running English Premier League side since God knows how long. I think it was 53, the Toffees, Everton. Arguably an even rougher weekend. I would like to just start off by saying that before the game started uh, versus Southampton, who needed the win desperately, issued a statement on their social media and issued a statement to their board of directors not to attend to the game because of safety concerns. Now, I haven't seen any massive rioting or protests from the Toffee fans. Obviously, there is a fan base that has been advocating for some change now in director boards. But to come out already in 19th place and then have a statement saying that your board of directors can't show up to the game because you have safety concerns, this is just the fire bells are ringing. For, for Everton. The the relegation battle was real last year. It's just surviving the second to last game and they're in the same spot. Yeah. Um I mean I think the biggest thing we can say about Everton for their lack of performance was just how even that game was. 
I mean, they were within one shot of each other, one shot on target. Possession was 53-47. And we're talking about an Everton team that came out two weeks ago and beat Man City. So to play the 20th place team in the Premier League and have a run in the game, you know, like that was anyone could have taken it. That's kind of an embarrassment for that organization. I know a tie, um, they, a they tie versus Man beating. City, Everton feels like a loss to oh, you, Kyle, yeah, but it, it was a tie. It does. One-one. <laughs> My God, listen, we drop points to Everton. That's a loss. That is a loss. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that is Southampton, dead last. That should be a breeze. They should be looking forward to that game to get back on track this season. And they just played their game wrong, and now they're they're paying the price. What's the recovery plan for him, Sean? Like, what if you're a Toffee fan? If you're if you're the Toffees, what what's your lifeline here? Yeah, I think you have to look to the transfer market. Um, and the concerning thing for me is that their recruitment the last few years they spent a lot of money, but they don't bring in Premier League quality players somehow, despite throwing a ton of money around. I mean, I'd have to take a look at the list over the last few years, but I, I'd say Everton's certainly within the top half of the Premier League and money spent and probably more than one or two teams in the big six, potentially. Uh, they really do th- throw it around, but striker and midfield are the two, the two points for me that, that they really need some reinforcing. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a big piece for Everton, but he's been dealing with injuries. And I think he, I believe he had injuries last year, even though he started the year really well. So there's got to be somebody else there. They have Mope who they bought from Brighton, I don't know if he's at the level of a Premier League striker at this point. Um, and then in the midfield, they definitely need reinforcements, you know, being able to control games. But just quickly, want to give a, a shout-out to Southampton. Really good performance from them. James Ward-Prowse, I mean, what, what, what can you say? That guy is probably the best free-kick specialist in the world right now, potentially. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you got your Messi's, your Neymar's, Mbappe's, all three on the same team, coincidentally, but... For them, I I don't know if there's a, there's too many guys with more goals from free kicks, you know, active. I know he's only two away right now from tying David Beckham for the most free kick goals in Premier League history. He has 16. Beckham has 18. So when you're getting in in that company, you know, that's rarefied air. When we're talking about set pieces, David Beckham's one of the best to ever do it. I mean, it's it's really impressive numbers from him. He's on my player to watch for list for the remainder of the season. Not only because I love the golf celebration, he tees it up and launches him. <laughs> But he is fun to watch. He has an extremely high soccer IQ, and forget about it when you when you see him on top of the key with with a setup with a set piece. It's just it's ridiculous. So I think that's a huge takeaway. Southampton has a lifeline that is James Ward Prowse. Everton needs to make some moves. So far, they this transfer season they're the eighth lowest spent or most eighth yeah eighth lowest spent team with 83.5 million pounds they're eighth in the spending market and holding on to your wallet is not going to save you from an inevitable uh, demotion it's just not gonna you're gonna get relegated you got to open up that purse you got to do something so with with the sadness that is maybe seeing the second longest run in the premier league to date only uh to be bettered by the one and only arsenals uh, come to a possible end this season would be absolutely devastating. I, for one, do enjoy seeing them out here still. I did bet on them last year to be relegated, and uh, that was about halfway through the season, so I was pretty excited about that, but it, it, a bit of a blow there, and uh, I would hate to see that happen to them. Um, well, you I never just want to make a quick note. 
Don't take gambling advice from James. Don't. Don't. Yeah, that would be a mistake. We'll have a lock of the week every week where we'll see who does the best. That will come later, but this is it's not more my forte. I've stopped. Fade, fade James is a lock. Whenever, whenever <laughs> it's him, I think it's Kyle this week. Just fade it. That's it. I mean, the one thing that uh, I think Everton still has going for him, though, is Frank Lampard. I mean, oh, that's come the on. <laughs> Listen, the man's a name. Is he going to play? Yeah. <laughs> if, if he played in midfield, I might have more confidence in them staying up. Yeah, but I mean, that man knows soccer. So no, if anyone's going to take him, he might be able to. Yeah, and t- touching upon that free kick statement, I think uh, James Madison we can put in that group as well. Sure. He's yeah. a yeah. beast of that. I would That's say Warcross and Madison. It must be the first name. It's got to be the first name, James. Just, it's just, it's just a hierarchy. Terrible first name. Yeah, it didn't, didn't translate to you though, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I thought I established it. Most of these guys are younger than me now, so I think it's, <laughs> it's probably the other way around. But um, yeah, man, I, I, it's it's tough. Um, but let's let's pop into speaking about fading my bets and everything like that. We got the last two segments coming up. We're gonna look at next week games, our our quick takes on which ones are the the ones to look forward to, and then Kyle Mansley will kick us off with the first lock of the week. First game is a must-watch, and it's actually a midweek fixture. It's a makeup game. It's Man City versus the Spurs. Obviously, Man City coming off of a top, tough, tough loss against Man U, and Tottenham coming off of another tough, tough loss against Arsenal. This is going to be a huge bounce-back game, I think, for either one of these teams. Um, obviously, Man City still in contention for the for the title here, and Tottenham. You know, this could be a lifeline for the top four. Yeah. Um... Clearly, Manchester City's going to have to win this one. If they don't, if they don't get this win, it's going to be very hard to claw back. But we're going to a Spurs team that does not look that good. Both teams don't have that much rest. Um, I think Manchester City has a deeper squad in general. They can switch out any of five wingers that would still be in the top twenty in the Premier League. So, I mean, it's pretty clear. I, they need to win. That's it. You guys do have a little bit of upper hand. It's it's home at Man City. So head. we'll see what that yeah the empty head and then uh, we'll we'll see what that does does it formize for them they they obviously home record one of the best top two in the league right now so i think this one ultimately will go to to city but you know being who i am i will be a slight spurs fan which which pains me to say but i'm hoping for a little spurs upset here the, the, the next one, Sean, I think we can talk about very briefly as, as they were the big two takeaways from this weekend's Warriors, these weekend winners, uh, Arsenal versus Man U. It's almost like they lined it up perfectly. That last weekend to this weekend, I mean, who, this is incredible. I mean, it, they, they're coming off of a, a, a first-round loss, Arsenal, that is, to Man U 3-1 in a very controversial game where VAR actually came out and said they made a mistake. Uh, with allowing or disallowing a Mar- Martinelli goal from Udegaard's uh, pass or takeaway from Christian Eriksen. And we have both of these teams red hot right now. I mean, this is going to be full of fireworks. I don't understand. I can't, I can't see a more exciting game to watch this weekend at the Emirates. Yeah. It, it, I'd love for the game to live up to the hype, right? Because these are right now just based on form, the way that they're playing, um, fun to watch. They're probably the two best teams in the Premier League just in the last 10 games. Uh, 
obviously the matchup, not that they're necessarily going to be matched up together, but uh, two of the most dynamic and informed players in the Premier League right now, and, and Marcus Rashford and Martin Udegaard. So those are the two guys I would really be, you know, keeping my eye on, obviously. Just tremendous form. Um, it should really, really be exciting. I do think Arsenal's going to get him back, though. I think that, I think I was really impressed with how they played against Tottenham. United, obviously, is playing really good form. I think it'll be a close match. Definitely a possibility of a draw, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take Arsenal. I predicted too many draws last week, so... I think Arsenal's going to pay him back for that loss. I know you said it was a little controversial in the beginning of the season. So, yeah, I'll take Arsenal to win this one over United, but I, I'm really looking forward to it. Like you said, clearly the game of the weekend. 11.30 Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. I will be clued to my telly. Another one that's coming up is going to be a, a big middle-of-the-table battle here, middle towards top. It's see who can kind of claw their way back into the European side of things is Chelsea-Liverpool. This is this is home for Liverpool. Might be coming in exactly when they need it to with a struggling Chelsea side. Um, this could be a great bounce back for Liverpool, and it could just plummet Chelsea further down into the deep hole that is eventually going to be Ted Boley's debt and the Blues of the Blues. Yeah, um, I think Liverpool, it's their game to win. You know, Chelsea's putting Kepa back in the net now. He looked really good this weekend. I think him and Harry Maguire are very similar players where humongous money spent, both of which flopped. But it's nice to see them slowly getting back on track. And um, as far as Van Dyke is concerned, the, the lack of him this weekend is was enormous. I'm sure it'll be again this coming weekend. You know, they called it the house that Van Dyke built. I personally disagree with that fully. I think you got to prove yourself for 15 years before you even get in conversations with people like Vidic and Ferdinand and Terry and all them. But you know what? They won with them, and without them, they are getting embarrassed. So, you know, maybe he does make that big a difference for this team. So we'll see. I, th I think I, – I, and, Sean, I'll, I, I should just be letting you take this one because how that is second that is second hot take of, of the episode. We're going to have to start limiting you to, like, one hot take because Van Dyke no, is no, arguably no, – let him have his. Let him listen, have his listen. Until you can do this for a decade straight, you know people have great seasons. You know, take Fernando Torres, take I don't know Eden Hazard. They can flop. Van Dyke. Van Dyke lost his first home game at Liverpool Stadium this season. In shot, how many games? His first yeah, home hundreds, game. Hundreds. Hundreds. Hundreds of games. He's, I mean, I, First of all, the other thing I want to say, sorry, James, I, I, I have to jump in here. <laughs> he did advertise himself as a hot take guy and was relatively balanced. I love last it. Week. I love and it. My, I sent it to my one buddy, Kevin, and he's like, listen, I, he's a big hot take guy himself. He goes, I was told there were going to be hot takes, and, and he was disappointed. So I'm glad we got this. <laughs> First of all, Nemanja Vidic played seven years in the Prem. Van Dyke's already played more years in the Prem than Nemanja Vidic. He's finished second in the Ballon d'Or voting. So, I mean, you, every guy you name has never done that in the Premier League. He's won the league. He's won the Champions League, which Arsenal haven't done. Uh, Man City haven't done. Tottenham haven't done. But apparently they're the big six. So, I mean, I would put him above any center back from – I'd put him over Vincent Kompany. I'd put him over Vidic. I would say Ferdinand is the guy he's chasing to be the greatest defender of all time, depending on how his 30s go. But – uh, yeah, I would I would call Rio Ferdinand clearly number one, but I think Van Dyke's 
in the conversation and definitely around Mount Rushmore. Oh, yeah. I don't know Love it. Pittich. Pittich is still he will have his... in my opinion. Played Inter Milan for yeah, three years, has eight him years on in the Prem. He's, I mean, and he is one of, if not the toughest, you know, mother in this in this league, in my opinion, when he played. Yeah, oh. you know, Van Dyke gets blown over so Listen, easily, listen, you know, he's playing with yeah, broken obviously. noses, bloody faces. <laughs> it's a different sport. 20 years ago, the Premier League was a different animal. Torrens, I mean, that's fair to say it's, a, it's changed, but... owned Vintage. Owned Vintage. I'll send, you, I'll send you some YouTube clips. And Torres was definitely more than a one-season wonder. I would say Hazard is too, although I do... And we're, we're really getting off on a tangent now, but nothing drives me nuts like the... Eden Hazard, most solid debate that Chelsea fans oh my try, God. To, try to push all the time. And the narrative is so dumb. It's like, oh, you want the guy who scores less, assists less, creates less chances, and is less durable. But the box. Kyle, you, you, know, the Kyle box. you really you rattled the cage on this one, my man. But <laughs> but we are, just, we're, you know. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's great. But we're gonna we're gonna blow through these uh, honorable mentions for the weekend. Uh, we have West Ham versus Everton. This is gonna be a good game. This is what we're calling our, our, the fight for their lives. Uh, it's still early. I don't think anyone considered right now a fight for their lives because if you look at the table, the bottom thirteen are all within five points of each other. Uh, I mean, it's it's crazy. You have Nottingham Forest on the top. They still got a possibility for top 10 there. The future bet isn't dead, but uh, it, it probably is. But you have Nottingham Forest at 13th place with 20, and then 20th is only 15. That's a, that, that's a two-win swing right there. That's not too far off for anyone. I mean, it's a panic button for a lot of people, but West Ham and Everton being 18 and 19, this is a fight for their lives. So that's a, one, that's a very good honorable mention. Let's see, when is that game, boys? That one is West Ham versus Everton. Saturday at 10 a.m. at West Ham. Nice. Yeah, I would just quickly say on that, sorry. Mm -hmm. I would just say quickly on that game, uh, Everton obviously coming off a loss to bottom of the table, Southampton. If the panic button wasn't pushed after that game and they lose this game at West Ham, it, you know... Alarm bell should be ringing, as you said earlier. The next one uh, that we have here is is Fulham Spurs. So this is back to the other side of the table here. Uh, we already highlighted the Spurs-Man City game, but Spurs have two tough games coming up this week, Thursday, and then this weekend against Fulham, who's in form, who is the spot right beneath them, right? Yeah, they are only two points away. So if Fulham take this one, they enter fifth place. Tottenham drops down to six, and depending on how Brighton does, could fall to seven. I mean, this is a pretty big game for, for Tottenham as well. So let's see which team shows up for the first half. Do the second half Spurs show up, or do the first half Spurs show up? And then, Kyle, I know you... Yeah, yeah. Yep. I do Kyle, also I know like your last kid. one was... Oh, Go ahead. Sorry. I, I do like that kid, De Cordova Reed, as well for Fulham. Um, they play re- kind of similar to Brighton. They press really high up the pitch, and they have some some really nice, uh, you know, good looking young players. Also, got to give a shout out to the two Americans on defense, Anthony Jedi Robinson and uh, and Tim Ream. So, yeah, Fulham, Fulham. I feel like is a, it can be if you're you know looking for a team to get into, Leeds or Fulham. I feel like as an American, you, you got to be looking to those two. 
Yep, yep. It'll be interesting to see which one place is higher because they're not too far off from each other. I mean, Leeds is, I mean, that's not true. Fulham is miles ahead of Leeds right now, but uh, Leeds is a fun team to, to root for. Which, uh, which brings us to our final honorable mention. Kyle, I know you were a big fan of this one. We talked about them already today a few times with Southampton versus Austin Villa. Yeah. Um, so this is this I mean, is Leon Bailey, mention. what a player. I watched that full game on, what was it, uh, was it Friday, I want to say it was. But this man, he's got dribbling, he's got speed. His shot is a rocket ship. I mean, his first goal was a bender into the far post, which was fantastic. And then the second goal they scored was... Leon Bailey took a shot from 20 yards out. That was just a piss missile. Absolute shot, knuckleball right at the goalie. Anywhere but at the goalie, that ball's on the net, but it knocked the goalie back. Ball came right back to the center of the box, and it was a tap-in for someone else. So, I mean, Bailey set that one up. I think if he's on form on the right wing, he cuts inside. He was out dribbling people. Southampton's got to watch out for him. They're going to have to put someone great on him if they want some hope for this one. Will Villa be able to shut down Bailey? We will find out. What I'm more looking forward to finding out is what your lock of the guarantee bet. Gambling is very bad, very irresponsible. Don't do it. But if we had to, Kyle, what's the lock of the weekend so far for you? Our first one, we missed last weekend. Sean had a great take. He had Brentford over Bournemouth, so we'll give it to him. But Kyle, you're, you're leading the helm here with the first real episode all right i'll give you guys a good one um i'm taking brighton over leicester form brighton's in versus the lack of form leicester's in i don't think this one's going to be close i think it's going to be a two-goal swing and as far as you betters out there the odds right now are plus 100 for brighton plus 260 for leicester so still some pretty good odds out there i have to say i agree with that one i agree with that one and and it's a great way to kind of end our our first episode as, as we said before, it's better late than never to dive in, and we're diving in at a perfect point in the season. So, Sean, you want to wrap it up with something tasty before we, before we sign off here? Yeah, I just had to – I have to say I promised uh, my cousin Matt if Brighton beat Liverpool, which they absolutely whooped him that I'd say this, uh, war damn seagull. So, <laughs> well, I love it. End it. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody. This was the first official episode of EPL State of Mind. Hope you guys enjoyed it and and look forward to the next one.